0: You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is May 2nd, 2019. My name is Philip Rossman Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. And of course, follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll continue our look back at the 2019 season and look at what went right and what went wrong, looking at a few, a pair of shooters, not a few shooters, a pair of shooters that had a big effect on the ultimate outcome for the Magic this season. We'll talk about Terrence Ross and Evan Fournier coming up here on today's show. But before we do any of that, I want to remind you all that you check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching on iTunes for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like we cover the Orlando Magic here almost every day. I, I took yesterday off because, you know, it's the, the offseason. I, I could take a day off here and there. Um, we, we cover there's a, Just like we cover the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast for every single NBA team. Plus, Locked On NBA and Locked On Fantasy Basketball have your national perspective covered, too. Want recaps of the NFL Draft? You can check out the Locked On NFL Podcast Network, including Locked On NFL Draft. There's also MLB and colleges too. You can find all these podcasts on iTunes or on the Himalaya app, the home of the Locked On Podcast Network, to search on the Himalaya app for Locked On and the team you're looking for. You can also find podcast suggestions and discover new podcasts and have them delivered directly to your playing device, as well as create playlists of your favorite podcast. You can find this all on the Himalaya app. Check it out today. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. Before we go diving into the season that was a bit of news coming out uh, on the Orlando Magic or about the Orlando Magic, and it's news that that on the surface, or if you're just looking at it, doesn't sound particularly good. Uh, The Sports Business Journal uh, reported that overall around the league, local TV ratings were down across the league. It's not totally surprising, I think. There are a number of factors that go into this. That obviously, the declining cable numbers uh, that, that are affecting the, the industry generally. Um, I think that the NBA becoming more of a national product, I think that is hurting some individual teams. Uh, the, the national TV product, product and, and they've seen ratings decrease as well. But I think the national TV product is very, very good. And I do think league pass has a lot to do with this. I, I'd be very curious if the NBA ever released a the League Pass numbers and league, league Pass subscriber numbers. I'd be curious where that stands. But lots of people cutting the cord. It's not surprising that local TV numbers are down. On top of all this, in those numbers, the Orlando Magic finished 29th out of 30 teams in terms of local TV ratings, which obviously not good. And there are a number of playoff teams actually down toward the bottom there. So it's it, on that surface level, it's not good, but when you look a little bit deeper, when you look into the trends, you see something a little bit different. Back at the All Star Break, uh, the Sports Business Journal again uh, listed these numbers. They 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 stated that that uh, um, that the Orlando Magic had the worst TV ratings in the league, and they were actually. Down 28% from last year. So the Magic rose a spot over the course of the final 30 or so games. On top of that though, the Orlando Magic reported, and and Fox Sports Florida reported this publicly, in in addition to what the Sports Business Journal reported, that they had a 4% increase overall in local TV ratings. I'm, I want to I want to make sure that this point is very, very clear. At the All-Star break, or around the All-Star break, so roughly the midpoint of the season, the Magic were down 28% from last year on local TV ratings. By the end of the season, they were up 4%. So again, surface level 29th in the league isn't good, but I would imagine if you cut out that piece from the All-Star break to the end of the regular season, the Magic were probably not the biggest TV ratings in in the league, but probably the biggest percent increase in TV ratings over the first half of the season, and probably over last year too. To get from minus 28 to plus 4 in the course of 20, 25, 30 games, is downright incredible. And there are a few things to think about, think, thank for it, or, or at least few reasons, a few things that we can hypothesize are a big reason why. The first is the least important, but I do want to give mention to it. When this article came out at the All-Star break saying the Magic had the lowest TV ratings in the league and that they decreased so much, there were a group of vocal Magic fans who put out a challenge the hashtag Magic TV Challenge was something that was actually embraced uh, by Fox Sports Florida in and, and several occasions. And I think we do have to give credit to the Lando, uh, the person that I saw who started this. Every night during the Magic's playoff push, he would retweet. But you would see images of Magic fans from around the world watching the Orlando Magic. Letting the world know that yes, Magic fans do exist and they watch their team. They support their team. It was brilliant bit of viral marketing, uh, you know, for Fox Sports Florida, of course, but um, it, it, it was a good sense of community. It was kind of a defiant thing, defiant thing, but as much as I enjoyed that, as much as I love seeing Magic fans interact, because I would tell, I would be the first to tell you that, that Magic fans are passionate. They want a team to cheer for. They love this team. They, they, they want to be a part of this team, but the Magic need to put something on the floor to get them to show up and get them to engage. And of course, that's exactly what happened. That's that, that's the big difference between the pre-All-Star break, magic were 20 and 31 in late January to the post-All-Star break. The Orlando Magic went on an incredible 21 and 9 run. Maybe not incredible to some, but incredible to us. 21 and 9 run over the final 30 games to make the playoffs, get a 7 seed and be in the running. Be in the running for the championship. And Alex Martin's Has said this, I believe, to the Orlando Sentinel on several occasions when asked about declining local TV ratings. And he would always say that nothing tracks closer to winning than local TV ratings. Golden State Warriors lead the league in local TV ratings. I wonder why. So again, nothing tracks closer to local TV ratings than winning. You put a winning product on the floor, not only will fans show up, They will watch the games on TV. They will make it appointment viewing. There are 82 games in a season. That is a lot of games. I'm here to watch them all for you. God knows I watched some really bad basketball at the end of seasons over the last few years, so you didn't have to. There are not many people like me who make it a point to sit down and watch all 82 games, sometimes twice. Sometimes. I I, I do miss Magic at midnight, Magic after midnight. But that's the business. You win games, people show up and watch. But I would say this too, and bring it back to the fan point. Magic fans, when they got engaged, when they got fully invested, when they began to believe in this team, they showed up at the Amway Center and were loud, and obviously they showed up to watch these games on TV. And I'll admit this too. I see my numbers for this podcast. I see these numbers for Orlando Magic Daily. My numbers shot up as the team got better. I had some of my most listened to podcasts, and again, thank you all for listening to Locked On Magic. I had some of my most listened to podcasts during the Orlando Magic's playoffs, during the playoffs, during the playoff run. My numbers have jumped up pretty significantly since, these play- since the playoffs, when the playoffs began and, and predictively I've seen them drop off a little bit now that the off season we gotten thanks for sticking with me I, I, appreciate, I appreciate you all. but that's what winning does. still still on top of this, magic fans were engaged I, I I watched the watch party so my I work my day job is across the street so during game one I was literally watching the watch party from my window while I was watching the game. Magic fans showed up and were engaged and excited. And again, the numbers bear this out. Fox Sports Florida reported for two of the biggest games that the Magic played this year, the uh, March 26th game against the Miami Heat had a 1.7 household rating. I, I, I believe that means uh, uh, 1.7. I, 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 don't, I don't know exactly what that means, so I'm not going to speculate, but it's a pretty high rating. It was the most watched game of the season and the most watched game on Fox Sports Florida in over three years. I hyped that game up. I told you that that is the biggest game the Magic were going to play all year. I think I was hyping that game up in January when the Magic lost to the Heat, and I was like, "They need to go to Miami and win that game." They did, and so not only did you get this this huge game, but the Magic won it. And I think from that, and I think that game put them in the playoffs, in the playoff position for good. They were in. I don't think they gave it up after that point. You fast forward to the game against the Celtics, a Sunday night game, and they had a 1.2 household rating. And it was also the most streamed game ever on Fox Sports Co. So, again, you put some real stakes on these games. You get a winning team on the floor. And you will get people to show up at the building sit down and watch the games on TV and be engaged. Nothing engages fans like winning. Even being a 500 team, having actual stakes to play for gets you invested. You don't check out. Certainly when the team was 20 and 31, and, you know, I, I can understand why some Magic fans checked out. I got yelled at back then for saying, I believe this team is a playoff team. I did. I honestly did. I had people yelling at me about that. And then we were, we were having the tanking discussion. But undoubtedly, this momentum needs to carry forward. And I think that's part of the discussion we need to have about this offseason. I don't think it's all of the discussion, but it's certainly a factor in the discussion. The Magic will certainly, when they come back in September and October, or when they start playing games in October, the TV ratings will be there. I would imagine opening night, whoever it is, is going to get a killer rating. Home or away is going to get a killer rating. People want to see this team, and I'm sure people will be excited to see this team play again. But start off slow, ratings will drop. You start losing a lot of games, you fall out of the the playoffs, ratings will drop. If you stay competitive, you'll get what you got this year. So no, the Magic still have a long way to go, both on the court and on the Nielsen ratings or whatever rating system they use. They have a long way to go. But certainly, 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 They made some big strides and made some big waves this year. And I think that much the numbers clearly, clearly show, no matter how you look at them. So good year for the Magic on the court, and it would appear off the court, too.
0: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league— helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: But let's get back to the task at hand, looking back at the 2019 season. I went a little longer on that than I wanted to, but let's get back to... Recapping the 2019 season, like I said yesterday, I kind of took the day off. Um, just needed just needed a day to reset my battery a little bit. So back here today to to catch think catch up on things. Um, but undeniably, there were there were two guys that that I think Magic fans were eager to see this year and, and eager to see how they would support this team because we all know and we saw this in the playoffs for sure. One of the Magic's biggest weaknesses is is their lack of shooting they do not have enough quality three-point shooting. And it's pretty clear, it's fairly clear in my opinion, that the Magic needed, certainly, these two players to shoot the ball well if they wanted to win in the playoffs, but wanted to win in general. And it took one of these guys having a career season, really, to push this team up and up and up. Magic fans already liked Terrence Ross. He endeared himself to fans in a lot of ways, with just the way he worked, the way he engaged with fans, his Marvel fandom. He's, he's a cool dude. I, I won't I won't deny it. He's a very chill guy. I, I enjoy I enjoyed my interactions with him for the most part. But ultimately you gotta play. And, and Terrence Ross missing most of last season or two seasons ago now. You know. Left him as a bit of a mystery. You know, we, we were all excited by what he did in the first twenty or so games before he, he he was injured. And but we didn't quite know what to make of him yet. It was an early November game when I think we really understood what Terrence Ross could do for this team. Against the Philadelphia 76ers at home, Nikola Vucevic scored 30 points. Jonathan Isaac blocked Joel Embiid and. And there was a real buzz in the Amway Center for the first time. First time all year, first time perhaps in a little while. The Magic were going toe-to-toe with with a team that many thought would be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, and then they finished a three-seed, so they're they're certainly in that conversation. But with the game tied and time ticking down, Terrence Ross ran a pick-and-roll with Nikola Vucevic. Kind of stared down the defense. Came across with enough space to get a shot off took the 3 made the 3 and kind of let out one of those iconic celebrations just you know i i could you know you see it vividly and, and and especially with the nickname he eventually got the human torch as he as he kind of slapped his slapped his thighs and 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 shouted you can see the flames coming off of him terrence ross only scored 15 points that game i thought he scored 30 he might as well have scored 30 But the legend of Terrence Ross was born that night. The rap on Terrence Ross throughout his entire career is that he's inconsistent. The, the joke that, that I have with with a few other members of the media is, is something that, that his former coach, Dwayne Casey, would, would joke about whenever he was asked about Terrence Ross. And specifically Terrence's kind of spurtability, the fact that he has a 50-point game under his belt. And, and Dwayne Casey would often joke he scored only 12 the next game. That was kind of Terrence Ross's whole deal. He had this potential to go off for 25, 30 points at any given moment, but he was just as likely to score six or fewer. This year was completely different. This was the first time Ross was truly, truly consistent. First time in his career that he he had a, a really defined role and B, perform that role to perfection. He should be, he won't win, but he should be a finalist for Sixth Man of the Year. I, for the first time it, it, since it started, I'm going to have to watch the NBA award show just to see Terrence Ross there, just to make sure that Lou Williams wins the award, which he should. But Terrence Ross had a stellar season. Career high, 15.1 points per game. 53.4 effective field goal percentage. 38.3% from beyond the arc. He was a reliable scorer. He was a finisher. And when the Magic needed a little bit of an energy boost, when the Magic needed some offense to get them going, especially a second unit that seemed really devoid of offense for most of the season. When the Magic needed that, Terrence Ross was the one who to deliver. How many fourth quarters did Terrence Ross win? Literally, how many fourth quarters did Terrence Ross come in and change the energy of the game? You can point to so many. That Sixers game. The Sixers game before it, honestly, when he hit a three from near half court to tie the game with a minute to play. The Indiana Pacers game at Indiana the Utah Jazz game in Mexico City. The more, most famous one, perhaps. Down 17 to the Memphis Grizzlies in the third quarter. Ross went for 30-plus, I believe, in that game to force overtime and then win the game in overtime. A, a game that was a big turning point for the team. That's the game where I, when they honestly got a lot of confidence and belief that they could do this. Terrence Ross had so many moments like that. And really, for the first time, I would honestly say since Tracy McGrady even. Vince Carter, perhaps. Probably, you know, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, probably since Jason Richardson. The Magic had a tough shot maker. Not just a tough shot maker, but a guy who could get hot, who could simmer, And boil over at a moment's notice. Jason Richardson won a few games just on his shooting, just taking bad shots and making them. Terrence Ross did that on several occasions this year. And finding him and finding that missing piece was so vital to the team, even sniffing the playoffs, even getting a chance to play in the 16. Ross, of course, did all this during a contract year. I think we all know that. But he put in that work after that injury to to get back. He didn't take time off. He was back in the gym at the Amway Center once the season ended, trying to work his way back to health, to have the kind of season that everyone knew he could have but it had never quite delivered yet. And Ross did it all really without complaint. Didn't mind coming off the bench. Embraced that role, honestly. And got rewarded for it. And he will get rewarded for it this summer. But more than that, fans fell in love with him. Vans, you know, honestly, Vans will be upset if he is not back next year. And that's, that's a debate, that's a discussion we'll have on another day, perhaps. But suffice it to say, this season is not as much of a success as it was without Terrence Ross, without the confidence and energy that he brought off the bench. Once the Magic found that right combination with Aaron Gordon and Evan Fournier with him especially, and then eventually... Uh, Michael Carter Williams added to that equation. They had the off, they had defenses off balance, trying to account for Ross. He was on the scouting report, and really, it wasn't until the playoffs when Norman Powell was able to kind of knock him off his spots and kind of stay attached to his hip, prevent him from getting those good, good looks—not even always clean, but good looks for him, because he can just get off a shot so quickly. Terrence Ross is so much of what went right this year. And the Magic would not have been able to say they had a successful season without him. Before we move on, we have to say a quick word here from our pals at ZipRecruiter. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy. And you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com. ZipRecruiter sends you to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. With the powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find the people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. They they invite them. You don't have to go out and look. It does it all for you. ZipRecruiter is so effective that eighty percent of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive website, ZipRecruiter.com/slash locked on. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com/slash l o c k e d o n. ZipRecruiter.com/slash locked on. ZipRecruiter.com, the smartest way to hire. But just as Terrence Ross shot the ball incredibly well and really changed the game and changed the team with his his shooting ability, you can't talk about the team shooting, and it was better than I think people give it credit for, without talking about the struggles that Evan Fournier had this year. Evan Fournier is one of the most honest guys with the media. Um, You know he he, he's not above cursing in a media session, and I think that's probably why you didn't see him on camera very much after games on Fox Sports Florida, because especially after losses, he he isn't afraid to let one fly. He's usually not afraid to let one fly, honestly. But Evan Fournier is pretty honest about his play and about himself. On several occasions, he was honestly at a loss for words with how poorly he was shooting during the season. Honestly, I believe it was at exit interviews. He even said, you know, if I had shot the way that I normally shoot, you know, we're talking about a different kind of season. And indeed, it was not a good shooting year for Evan Fournier. With the Orlando Magic, in five seasons with the Magic, he shot 36.9% from beyond the arc. 37.1% for his career. He shot a career low, 34% on three-pointers this year. No change in his attempts, still at about 5.6. He was at 5.6 attempts per game uh, for the Magic this year. He just missed shots. And and honestly, game three of that playoff series was a perfect example of, of his struggles, a perfect illustration of it. In that game, he went one for 12 from the floor and one for eight from beyond the arc. And honestly, a lot of those eight were open I didn't have much to complain about with Evan Fournier's shot selection. Perhaps he hurried him just like everyone else with that team did against that Raptors defense. It defied explanation why Evan Fournier was missing shots. This is a reliable shooter, a guy who has scored effectively in his entire time with the Magic, has honestly increased his scoring average. Every year, until this year. Some, and the fact that Fournier acknowledged that, you know, this was the first time that his numbers didn't really increase. And and I would, and I think Steve Clifford would argue this, and I would argue this too. Fournier did a lot of good things throughout the year. Still averaged 15.1 points per game, even on a, and, and still had a positive effective field goal percentage, 50.9% effective field goal percentage. He averaged a career high 3.6 assists per game. He was a better playmaker. And to, to be honest, and, and I, I think I've heard, um, uh, I think Chris Crawford on on the uh, Heart and Hustle podcast made this criticism of it, about Evan Fournier that he was a a, a player with, with selfish tendencies, which, you know, I, I think Evan Fournier is a shooter. And I think he wants to shoot the ball. And, and that's always his first thought. But he made incredible strides this year as a playmaker, as a passer, which, you know, he's still only 26 years old, bodes well for him. If, if he can continue to improve that aspect of his game... It will get better. I still don't think passing is a natural thought process for him. He'd still throw up some wild shots at the rim, and I think there were, you know, and I would agree with Chris on this point too. There were certainly still moments where Fournier was looking to get his turn. And I, and I think those are certainly debates we can we can have about Fournier, and you know, Fournier's future is as up in the air as anyone else's with this team. But Fournier took big strides there, and Steve Clifford would would say over and over again that Evan Fournier was a better defender than he thought when he came to Orlando. And you know, again, everyone's defensive numbers look better this year because the team was a better defensive team. He had a career high 2.5 defensive win shares, still a minus 1.1 defensive box plus minus, but that was actually a career high for him as well. You know, I, I, observationally, I would say Fournier was better defensively. Would I want to trust him on the best player, defend, play, best player on the other team? Probably not. I would agree that he was better defensively this year, but he. So he. So I, I think the point of all this is, you know, I, I don't think Fournier was a, a negative for the team overall. I think he did do some good things, but undoubtedly too. This was not the season that Evan Fournier wanted, not the season the magic needed from Evan Fournier overall, uh, and you know a bit of a step back for Evan Fournier. The bottom line is this. For, for a team that lacks a lot of perimeter shooting, lacks a lot of guys who are good shooters, or considered good shooters, because as I always like to say, it's not necessarily that you are a good three-point shooter. It's that the defense thinks you're a good three-point shooter. If the defense respects your shot, they will stick to you. And Evan Fournier, I think, has that respect. He has a little bit of gravity to him. But the bottom line is with Evan Fournier, he is there to shoot. He is there to score and make three-pointers. Do a few other things for sure. And the Magic did a good job getting the ball more out of his hands and when he did have the ball, he was more effective with it because of that added playmaking. But the bottom line is... Evan Fournier has to make shots. Game three was a perfect example of this. With Nikola Vujovic struggling and Terrence Ross struggling and everyone struggling, the Magic got open looks for their supposedly best shooter. And he missed them. And while it didn't cost the Magic a playoff berth at the end, it cost them that game. It cost them that opportunity to win. And that's a big deal because As Steve Clifford says, as all the Pat Riley disciples say, this is a make-or-miss league. You can get good shots. That's the coach's job. But then you got to make them. That's the player's job. And I think Fournier would agree with that, that he's got to make those shots. Those are shots he expects to make. I suspect he will redouble his efforts and get that shot right because we know him to be a good shooter. I mean, I think... The percentages bear this out. Um, you know, this, this time with Orlando, 37.8, 40, 35.6, 37.9. This 34% three-point shooting feels like a blip on the radar. He's usually up around 37% three-point shooting. And I would expect his numbers to return to that next year. If that happens, now all of a sudden he's making a little bit more than two three-pointers per game. So he's adding another, another three-pointer per game to his to his tally. And now you're talking about the difference between getting a 6 seed, getting a 5 seed, winning game 3. Those are big differences. Those little drops in numbers do have ripple effects out across. And the fact that the Magic couldn't rely on Evan Fournier to make shots in the same way they've been able to rely on him to make shots really for the last four years, it wasn't devastating. It turned out not to be devastating for the overall picture but it was certainly something that the Magic needed at key moments, at key points of the year. Look, Evan Fournier made some clutch shots. I'm not saying he had a bad year at all. The shot against the Cavs, the shot against the Pistons, those were tough shots that he made. And you look at his clutch statistics, he was one of the best clutch performers in this entire league. And honestly, the three that he made in Game 3, it wasn't the big one. He He missed one of those. But it was a big shot to keep the magic in that game. Fournier is more than capable. He knows it. We know it. But unfortunately this year, the shot just wasn't there for Evan Fournier. And unfortunately, it is one of the things that we have to say went wrong this year. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device, including the Himalaya app. Check out the Himalaya app for to discover new podcasts, create playlists, and download your favorite Locked on podcast directly to your mobile device, the Himalaya app, the home of the Locked on Podcast Network. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore omd. And of course... For the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic.
0: You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.